Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. In today's ep, we talk about empowering women, what it really means, what makes us feel empowered, and how we strive to empower others. We reco an on-the-edge-of-your-seat Spanish Netflix series and a fun hair accessory made by one of our listeners. We guess the celebrity natal chart of Australia's favourite television host. He literally hosts everything. (laughs) (laughs) And then we dive back into human design as we unpack what it means to be a projector. But first... Are you even alive if you haven't been listening to Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore? I was in Pilates this morning and the instructor's like, so, Folklore, what do we all think? And there are about eight of us in the class and just me and her were having the conversation. No one else had listened to it. And I was like in shock. Well, I'm a bit in shock too. I I went on a date with a guy yesterday and one of his questions, I think it's one of those like barrel questions where you just pull a question out when you have nothing to say. Yeah. What are you listening to at the moment? And I was like, what a stupid question. Folklore. <laughs> and he, you know, what he, you know what he said? He goes, is that a podcast? And I went, uh, no, it's Taylor Swift's new album. And you went, we will not be having a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, there's so much to discuss. I don't even know where to begin. But I feel that as the days go on, I just become more obsessed with it. Well, I think what's very important for us to talk about is that we both listened to it the day it came out. I was driving down to Sydney um, and it released while I was driving. So I was listening to it on Spotify. Um, I controversially very much was disappointed in it on first listen. Mm. Um, I'd also been driving for six hours already. So I was pretty tired. And I think that played into it a little bit. Totally. Totally. Um, And I said to you, I'm struggling to find two songs that I like. And you had your top three, I think, at that point. I had my top three. I usually would pick a top five. But at that point, I felt similar to you, George. And it was easier for me to pick a top three standout than actually have to filter through to a top five. Because on first listen, guys, please know that we have come a long way since first listen. But on first listen, I was skipping a lot of tracks. And I don't usually do that with Taylor Swift. So I was like, oh, my God, it's a flop. You know what I think it was? I... I and the rest of the world (laughs) have been a little bit sad in 2020. And I think we got so excited when we heard there was a new T-Swift album dropping. And I think everybody was expecting something a little bit more uplifting in true poppy T-Swift styles. Yes. When it came through very folky and... um, a little bit melancholy, for lack of a better word, uh, I was a bit like, oh, but... Then I listened to it a second time, a third time, and a fourth time. And now I am obsessed. I love it. it. I'm so obsessed. It's such a cancer season 
album, you know? Like, it really is all of those feels. So I feel like she just kind of missed it by a week in terms of release date, but it's fine, we forgive her. Um, Obsessed. Have you cried in any of the songs, Joy? Yeah, I've cried in all of them. I mean, I don't (laughs) even think you're human if you haven't. I mean, even the ones that I think are not particularly sad, I've cried in. But I have been thinking about my top three. Okay, please. My top three is definitely the one. Yes. Oh, I can't really pick three. I'll pick three, but there's more that I like. Exile. Yes. With one of them. And then I think my third would actually be Tears Ricochet. Really? Yeah. Which makes me cry all the time. Oh, Exile's the one that gets me crying. When I listened to the album first run through, the one was the first song that I listened to and I cried straight away in that one. But now I cry more in Exile. So they're my top two. Uh, But my third is August. Yeah, I don't I don't hate August, but I don't love it as much as you do. Maybe it's because I'm born in August. Oh, definitely that's what it is. <laughs> Guys, if you want to laugh, go onto Benny Drama's account and he, he does an interpretive dance to Cardigan and it's so great. It's so good. I also really <laughs> like Cardigan. I get why it was the single. Yeah, I didn't understand it at first, but I do now. Yeah, I like it. I think the songs that are probably at the bottom for me are Mirrorball and Seven. I don't really vibe with those. Oh, I've come around with Seven. I actually quite like it. Volunteers in the summer. We've come around to Betty as well. At first we were both collectively not about Betty and now we're about Betty. So, yeah. I think what it is, and we won't go into them here, but there's a lot of, stories around what the what the not just lyrics are about but how the songs all fit together into a storyline yeah and um there is the love triangle between sam betty and the person that sam has an affair with is it sam yes i don't know james 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 James, sorry james James, Betty. betty And the other woman. And illicit affairs. Gal. Yeah, I do like illicit affairs as well. Anyway, so guys, <laughs> if you haven't listened to Folklore, absolutely do that. Now, the only reason that we didn't talk about Folklore in last week's episode, because I know it had already come out, is that we had to pre-record our episode earlier than a Friday, which is when we'd usually record it because I was driving. So I'm mm. sorry that our synopsis is a week late. But I feel like it's better because we actually got to drop in and really experience it for a week this before coming back. You know? This is, yeah, this is very true. Very, very true. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of Taylor Swift, the topic that we're diving into today is that of empowered women and empowering women and what that feels like for us and how we show up in our own versions of what it is to be empowered. So, I mean, Jord, if you were to describe what empowerment is, is to you or feels like to you how would you describe it I think it's funny I've I've been sitting with this Uh, I feel a different kind of empowerment within myself like when I can empower myself Mm. than I do when I feel empowered by others or when I'm empowering others yes so I don't know if I can just give you (laughs) let's let's go one overarching meaning yeah well let's go first with when you feel empowered, what does that feel like? Um, it feels very expansive. I feel very much in alignment. There is a sense of feeling powerful to be mm. empowered. And by powerful, I think that means, for me, it means um, no obstacles standing in the way, feeling on top of things, in control, not necessarily of others, but like in control of 
where I'm at and how I got there, I feel yes. is what yes. it feels to be empowered for me. What about for you, Holly? So for me, Jord, it's really interesting because for the longest time I've had this resistance to the the term power and what it really means to embody power. It's felt almost, I don't know, like dangerous. I've had a resistance to it. But the more that I do the work on myself and really embodying who I'm here to be and the work I'm here to do in the world, being empowered feels like unstoppable. It almost feels like, you mentioned it, full body alignment and this almost unwavering commitment to doing the things that I feel drawn to, that I know that I'm here to do. It all, it, feeling empowered feels like bigger than me in a way, like mm. really being in alignment with vision or something. Do you feel like you've had a resistance to power because it has quite masculine connotations? Potentially, yeah. I really haven't sat deeply in unpicking it. Have you ever had that resistance before? I love power. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Never. Yeah, definitely. Of course, of course. Um, To feel powerful is something that I've worked on a lot in kinesiology over the years because I've definitely felt a resistance to it, especially as a woman. Um, And I do think the patriarchy has something to do with that. I know that um, I always worked for really powerful women when I was in corporate. um, And along with that power came uh, narcissism and bitchiness and all Mm. of the negative connotations of a woman Mm. in power And so I never Mm. wanted to mirror that. I never wanted to be that. But what I realize now is that they're actually separate things and they just happen to be both of those things at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the Marianne Williamson quote of our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. It's that we're powerful beyond measure. And I resonate so strongly with that. It's the the light that can come from stepping into your power that actually feels quite scary because an empowered woman is, she is unstoppable and she can take on the world and she is shining and showing up. And I guess for me, it's like recognizing and acknowledging that with all of that light, there is the shadow aspect, which is what you've just shared with us, Jord, and being conscious to not tip over into the cattiness, the bitchiness, or the, yeah, the narcissism that could potentially come with stepping into your power. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I had a look at the definition of empowerment online, dictionary.com. And they describe it as the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. So there's also this piece around confidence, which goes hand in hand with, I guess, the power aspect. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I personally don't feel like they should go hand in hand. Mm. I think I think that you can be confident within yourself and that not necessarily have to mean that you have power over another yes um yes but then I guess it also begs the question what does it mean to be powerful and does that mean that you must be above someone else no because I think to be empowered is to almost feel I want to say equal but that's not what I'm looking for um is to almost feel this real sort of even playing ground you know yes totally totally 
Well, with that in mind, I guess, so we've, we've discussed like feeling empowered in our own space, but how about, George, how does it feel to empower somebody else? Like how do you feel when you are empowering somebody? Well, this is what I teach. I teach people that the best way to empower yourself is to have a really strong sense of self-awareness. And so no matter what I'm teaching and no matter what um, method or topic, it's coming through, that's the underlying piece. So whether it's about the moon, whether it's about manifestation, whether it's about dating, which is what you guys will hear a lot about soon. It's about the self-awareness piece. And the more you know yourself, it becomes your greatest superpower and that's how you become empowered because looking for me to empower you is redundant. You need to look within yourself to feel empowered. You can't outsource empowerment. No. Mm, I love that. It's really an empower, feeling empowered is an embodiment and it's an energetic vibration, Jord. This is what we both teach. It's if you could embody the vibration of feeling empowered, then you are going to make choices that are empowered and you're going to empower other people just through the natural state of being. So yourself. Yes. How do you feel like you empower people? Similarly, it's the undercurrent for the work that I do in the world. I think in a lot of the words that I speak and share, they can be quite empowering. Uh, But even the way that I show up with uh, my relationship with my body, and this has been a piece that has surprised me and it used to surprise me more in the past before I got into the modelling work when I'd get DMs from women who had had really challenged relationships with their bodies because they were bigger busted and just the way that I was showing up just unashamedly dressing for my shape the way I wanted to gave them permission to do the same with them it was like I wasn't going out of my way to empower anybody in that space but just by dressing the way that I wanted to or embodying myself the way that I was it gave permission for other people to do the same and I think that that's a big piece that lots all of us have at our disposal the more that we can show up as authentically ourselves the more that we are giving permission for others to do the same and that in itself is an empowering act. Absolutely. I agree. I um, don't take photos of myself in bikinis because I don't feel empowered by that. But I yeah. know that, that makes you feel empowered, yeah. which influences other people to feel empowered. Exactly. I expose myself in other ways. Yes. In that when a lot of the... Um, stories that I share in my books and we're going to get a whole new lot of them in a few months (laughs) where I get to feel very exposed. Um, But that vulnerability Mm. and bringing that truth and that honesty through storytelling gives other women permission to feel like they can do the same and not share their story, but connect with my story, which resonates with their story. And, you know, it's this kind of flow. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. Mm. It's beautiful because just talking out, it's it's never, I've never sat down and had a conversation like this before, Jordan. And it's so interesting because this notion of empowerment really has some layers, doesn't it? It's got authenticity, vulnerability, like embodiment. There are so many moving parts to this just blanket term of empowerment. No wonder it can be quite elusive at times. Yeah. And you know what? Like I was thinking a lot about what empowers me. Yes. And I think... I think that maybe it's 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 still being empowered by another, but I think it's more inspired or motivated or 
are influenced. Yes. <laughs> that gets used in the wrong context a lot, but in this context, I mean it, influenced by another. For me, it's education. Mm. Like everybody knows that I love the facts and I love to get curious and investigate, but that's what empowers me. Yes. If someone's educating me and um, helping me to dive deeper into an issue, a topic, you know, whatever it might be, that's when I start to feel empowered, when I have the education behind it, rather than for some other people, and I'm not going to bring star signs into it, but for people that are perhaps a little bit more visual, it might be something that's a little bit more aesthetic that empowers them, you know? Yes, art. Yeah. Poetry. Fashion. Fashion. Yeah. Yes, amazing. Oh, this is such an interesting conversation, Joy, because when I was sitting with – who are a couple of women that I feel like really – I feel – you're right. I don't feel empowered by a woman. I don't feel empowered by anyone. I empower myself, but I feel inspired by and then that leads to empowerment. Bang on with that description. Um, Two people came to mind, the first one being Chelsea Bonner, who runs Bella. She's real a real advocate for, you know, uh, diversity, body image diversity. Her story's amazing. Listen to her podcast interview with Jordan Luna Lover. It's great. But also then Lizzo dropped in as well. Like she's a really I love em- Lizzo. She's the best. And she's so here for empowering women. But what's interesting, I bring them both to the forefront. They're both it's both around body image. So while for you it's around knowledge and acquiring knowledge and information, for me, without even realizing, it's all around body. It's all around body image. Interesting. But do you think mm-hmm. that's because that's where you need to feel more empowered is yes. in your yes. body image? Absolutely. Where it's my brain that needs to feel empowered. <laughs> or I need to feel empowered around body image too. I'm trying to unpack that. Yeah, interesting. I, I never ever look to other women to feel empowered about my body. Really? Yeah, and maybe that's something I should be doing. I don't know. But I, I've ne- I just don't think to do that. If anything, looking at, and this isn't to take away from the women that do it, but if anything, looking at those sorts of accounts make me feel disempowered. Yeah. I, no, I, I understand it. I really think it's a personal thing. And it's not something that I've actively sought out. It's just that, that, that that's kind of my, it's what I've been drawn toward. Before I was doing the, this work in the body yeah. image space, it's so interesting, Jordan. I've never given this thought before. But also in saying that, and maybe it's because you're my friend, when I see you posting photos of yourself where you're completely embodying empowerment within your body that empowers me but I wonder if that's because we're soul sisters um I, that's what my mum calls Holly and I soul sisters She's so cute. I, I wonder if that's why because if I look at other people doing the same thing as you I don't feel that yeah it's really interesting I think that that also comes down to intent and mm. in um like what's the word yeah yeah your intention behind anything you're sharing. And so really just want to emphasize the conversation that it's not about actively going out and empowering other women. It's how are you empowering yourself and embodying the energy of empowerment and then allowing that to do the work for you, right? Because mm-hmm. you and I aren't sitting here going, okay, how are we going to empower women today? It's not, it's not making up our, you know, the way that we approach our work. But I know that even the conversations we have on the podcast would have that effect just by virtue of the fact that we're showing up and we're in authentic alignment and in integrity with our own experience of what it feels like to be in our power. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely authenticity is a driver for me. And, you know, let's take this off social. Like just if I look at friends in my life who are authentically being themselves, whether it's through the work that they do or showing up as a mother or whatever it might be, that empowers me to want to do the same. But when I say do the same, I mean be authentic to myself, not be a replica of them. So how do we know when we're being inauthentic to oh, ourselves? I think, well, this is a hard one because I always say, oh, I think you know. It's like <laughs> when people are like, how do I follow my intuition? Well, you know when you are. But mm. I think that's because we're, that's so intrinsic for mm, us. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you do know when you're being inauthentic, though. You don't feel, it doesn't feel easeful. You feel out of alignment. It feels forced. You don't feel like yourself. If you feel like you're wearing a mask, or you have to put on a face or an act or a something in order to show up, then you're not being yourself. And then if you are noticing that there are certain people or experiences where you do have to put that mask on or you leave feeling exhausted by the dancing monkey show you had to put on in that moment, then have a think about why you're doing that with those people. And are they people you want in your life? Are they experiences you want in your life? Or can you start to take that mask off when you're around them? So, George, what activities make you feel empowered? Ooh, um, that's an interesting question. What do you mean by activities? Well, I mean like hobbies. No. Oh. <laughs> I like, like if you were feeling a little bit out of alignment, a little bit not in your power seat, what would you do to get back in? Well, if I was at home alone, I'd probably put some music on and dance. I do love mm. doing that. Mm. Um, empowered, empowered. I don't actually know. I don't I know. know if that's something I do. I don't know if I go, I feel disempowered. I'm going to sit down and empower myself. <laughs> I'm going to put my power suit on. And yeah. On <laughs> I'm not sure. Whole. I, I don't know. What about you? I don't know either. It's oh. a really interesting question. <laughs> don't you think? Because it's like, I'm the same. Do we need to be finding practices that bring us into our power a little more? And I, I agree with you. Dance and music is a big one for me too. But it isn't something that I actively seek out when I'm feeling disempowered. It's not like, okay, how do I circuit break this with some power activities? I don't often feel disempowered unless I've had some sort of confrontation with someone yes. that has kind of knocked me off my well it's not a power stool but sort of like I don't know like if I think about maybe some work confrontations I've had where I felt a little bit like I'm not being heard Mm. um I'm being disregarded or something Mm -hmm. like that that would knock me off and I Mm -hmm. guess the way to get me back on is to I um figure out what it is that I want and how I'm being um, either misheard or misinterpreted or um, swept to the side. And I get quite assertive about it. And I don't mean that in terms of confrontational, but I'll either make a phone call or an email and say, I've noticed this, this, and this, and, and this is how I'd rather feel. So what can we do about it? You know, it's almost a piece around boundaries, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I can relate to feeling that level of disempowerment when a boundary has been overstepped and being like, whoa, my energy's been rattled by you encroaching on my territory here. So it, it is reaffirming boundaries. I, I, I 
did, I actually felt a little bad for doing it. And then I was like, no, Holly, this is boundaries in my Instagram stories today is like, uh, I put a little message. If you're sliding into my DMs and the question isn't already answered on my website, please send me an email. That's my preferred way of contact. And because I was feeling disempowered by my inbox, I was just like, this is out of my control and I can't handle it. So I brought that power back and was like, this is how you can engage with me. And this is what I would like. I can't wait to see how many people read that and how many people still DM you. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would love to put that in my bio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I honestly do feel disempowered at times by all of the means of people contacting me and being like leached off. We'll talk about this in the projector segment because that I feel like is very resonant. But boundaries, I actually really think are a key to feeling empowered. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, maintaining that empowerment, yeah, is definitely about making sure those boundary lines aren't crossed. And when they are, then pulling people up on it. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And I, I think that that's where the lines can get quite blurry, where people feel that, oh, but if I do that, then I'm going to be perceived in a way. I'm going to be perceived as the bitch. I'm going to be perceived as too assertive. And we've got to get our head around the fact that you're not a bad person for asserting what it is you want in your life. No. doesn't make you a bad person. And it's also, it's also okay to show emotion. I listened to this great podcast interview today um, when I was driving. It's a few weeks old now. It was on No Filter with Mia Friedman, and she was interviewing Julia Gillard. Mm. Um, Julia Gillard's just written a book about female leaders, and Love I it. actually can't wait to read it because it sounded so interesting. But she was just talking about it's a very it's a very good podcast interview i highly recommend people go and listen to it free reco for you guys bonus ah, reco how good um but she was talking about the different ways in which female leaders of countries have to show up to male leaders in order to be taken seriously mm. um and a, a lot of it is about not showing any emotion whatsoever but if a man shows emotion during a speech, then it's seen as this beautiful, like, um, vulnerable, soft, vulnerable side and is celebrated. But if a woman does, she's unstable. Right? Yes. And um, it was just, it was very, very, very interesting. So oh. I just want to say at that juncture that, yeah, showing emotion sometimes looks like we're coming out of our power. Being assertive is women going to the extreme and perhaps not staying in their feminine, but it's like you can actually be all of those things all at once. It's okay to be all those things. In the intro, you mentioned something about Spanish TV watching. Did I hear correctly, (laughs) John Levine? Yeah. So another TV show. I really tried. I was like, John, please don't recommend (laughs) a television show this week. But I have to because it's really good and I've got nothing else. So it's a Spanish um, show on Netflix called Money Heist. Mm -hmm. Um, It is fantastic. It's basically, they're hour-long episodes and it's set in the Spanish mint and there's, um, I can't remember how many of them go in, maybe like eight, uh, I, I guess you'd call them thieves, that go in to perform this money heist in the Spanish mint. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got all these hostages in there, but they're treating the hostages fairly. But it's this, it's just very cleverly shot. You're on the edge of your seat guessing the whole time. It's kind of quirky. 
it's not scary, but it's thrilling. And there's little bits of humor in there. It's very, very, very good. So it is subtitled. Um, you can put the English audio on, but it takes it retracts from it. It definitely takes away. I highly recommend using the subtitles. Um, but I think it's one of the best Netflix series I've seen in a long time. Wow, that's big. It's coming really, from you, really good. They're our episodes, so they're a commitment, but um, it flies because they're just so edge of your seat thrilling. Holly, what's your reco? I'm recoing a product from one of our listeners. So shout out to Morgan from Scout and Cove. Morgan actually gifted Jord and I both some scrunchies from her sustainable scrunchie range. And I have, you may see on my Instagram all the time, the leopard one on my wrist constantly. I don't know about you, Jord, but I am such a fan of a scrunchie, um, especially for listeners who have curly hair. Morgan makes these beautiful silk scrunchies so you can wear your hair in a pineapple at the top of your head and it doesn't affect the curl, especially when it's been freshly washed. She also has a chakra range. So the scrunchies come in the colors of the chakras, which is so cool. And she said that it was inspired by the middle. So this is a very Leo-esque reco because we're kind of involved. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, we love supporting small business and we love especially when our listeners are doing really cool things and morgan from scout and cove yeah give her a follow on instagram guys it's scout and cove scrunchies we're obsessed with bachelor in paradise we're obsessed with the bachelor obsessed we've got two bachelorettes coming up in the new series i can't deal he also hosts the masked singer and let's not forget that time that COVID hit Australia just as the season finale of Survivor was coming out and Osh hosted that as well. <laughs> and doesn't he do the voiceover for Bondi Rescue? He does! <laughs> he, must get, he must get paid pretty well by Channel 10. Oh, wow. oh that's so funny. Anyway, so we are doing Osha Gunsberg's um, natal chart or if you know him from back in the Channel V days, Andrew G. Well, I hate to brag guys but I knew Osher back when he was Andrew G um, when he was a host for Australian Idol and my dad was in the band so I had a massive crush on him when I was in year 12 I used to come and um, be backstage and yeah like w- once I int- when I first met him I introduced myself to him as Holla not Holly because I couldn't get my words out because I was so in love with him and then when I brought Trent to a filming of Australian Idol, he, Osha, took Trent aside and gave him the talk. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but 13 years later, I think it's the talk that did it. There is nothing that Osha cannot do. So I'm really excited about this natal chart. <laughs> do you think if um, you saw Osha today, he'd know who you were? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. He's, like, because how long, how many seasons was Australian Idol out for? Like seven seasons? And my dad was in the band the whole time. So they're all like a little family. It's cute. cute. Anyway. Um, okay, so I've got all I've got is his sun, moon, and ascendant, so I can't do anything tricky okay. with you. That's um, all right. But where do you want to start? Um, I want to start with the fact that he's obviously good with words. And you're working off a teleprompter with all these shows. So you're good at, you you know, you're good at thinking your feet, improvising, reading. So there's either an air placement or there's a Virgo placement. I'm going to go first. Does he have an air placement? He does have an air placement. 
Is it just the one placement? Yes. Okay. Does, I'm going to just go out on a whim here. Does he have a Virgo placement? Yes, he does. Great. Virgo, one air. No fire. There's no fire. Is that right? No, that's not right. Oh, so he's fire, air, earth. Okay. Let's place these. I'm going to say that he is, I mean, I'm hearing fire rising, but I want to put fire as his son. Okay. I'm going to go with intuition first. Fire rising. No. Fucking you, intuition. (laughs) I want to put paws on fire. Oh, this is, this is actually really hard. Okay. I want to come up with what the air and the fire placements are. I'm going rogue today, guys. Is his fire placement Aries? Yes. Yeah. I didn't see Leo and I didn't see Sag. For some reason, I was like, nah, he doesn't travel much. I don't know. That was like, I don't even know. <laughs> okay. What are you yeah. attaching travel to, Sag? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like trips. <laughs> okay. So Aries, Virgo, and an air placement. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's not Aquarius. Is is it not Aquarius? <laughs> no. Can you ask it? Can you ask it like a proper question? How do I ask that one as a proper question? <laughs> can I rule out Aquarius? Can I rule out Aquarius? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm torn because maybe in love with Osha version of me could see his Libra or Gemini placement. Oh, this makes sense regardless. This isn't helpful. Is is the air placement Libra? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's basically you. I'm, I'm Gem- not Aries. Gemini, Virgo, Aries. Okay, let's place these bad boys. Do you know what's so funny is that Osh don't know him personally, but kind of irritates me a little bit. Really? Yeah, like I can't listen to his podcast. Because he kind of irritates me a bit. But maybe it's because he's just like me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Could be. And I'm such a hot mess. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's not a... F- so his Aries is either... Oh, okay. Aries moon. No. He's an Aries? Yes. Aries sun. Right. Weird. Would never have picked that in a thousand years. Um. Oh, my gosh. Is he Virgo moon Gemini rising? No. So he's Gemini moon Virgo rising? <laughs> yes. Fuck, we got there. Aries, (laughs) Gemini moon, Virgo rising. Yeah, look, if I looked at that chart just without knowing the person, I wouldn't like it. Even though it is similar to yours, but the placements are different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Okay. That I would never have ever picked. But very interesting. Yeah, I think so too. I see the Virgo rising in him. I think that you need to have that level of Virgo to be a television host, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like I think it takes a lot of like computing but also being grounded. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to know his Mercury. Mm, I can't help you there. I mean, no. I, actually, I probably could, but I'd have to get out my my calculator. I would say his Mercury is either going to be Aries uh Pisces or Taurus yeah oh, this is I so would easy. say it's probably 
Taurus, his Taurus, yeah. Taurus. I agree. Yeah, good one, Jord. I can't believe we haven't done him until now. That was a really, really fun one. I know. Well, just so everybody knows, it's very hard to get Australian um, celebrity natal charts. They just the 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 websites that do natal charts for celebrities are all American because mm. you really need to have that birth time. And I don't mm. know, maybe it's something to do with the hospital system in Australia. Maybe it's not public record like it is in America. I don't know. Oh, actually, that might be it. We're still waiting on Abby Chatfield. We asked for her time of birth and never got a response. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know. Tell us. Um, oh. Cool. Cool. Fun. Okay, so this week in our human design installment, we are talking projectors, which is really exciting because Holly and I are both projectors and we do drop the word projector quite a bit in the potty without explanation. So it's, it's good that we get to talk about it. Now you get it explained for you. It's true. Jordan and I have been really embodying our projector type for probably 12 months to 18 months now, and it's changed a lot around the way we do things. Um, so why don't I explain a little bit about the technicalities of projector life, and then we can actually go into our full experience of projector life. Yeah, sounds good. So projectors, fun fact, are the youngest and the newest of the types. So of all the other human design types, projectors came along the most in most recent times with a particular purpose, and their purpose is to guide. So projectors' strategy is to wait for the invitation Our not-self theme is bitterness, and this bitterness comes from either acting prematurely or not being recognised, and our signature is success. (laughs) I love that for us. Um, Don't love the bitterness, love the success. Our aura can be described, or projector's aura, can be described as focused and absorbing slash penetrating. So uh, the other interesting thing to note is that 20% of the population have uh, are, are the projector type. So basically the teachings of embodying your projector type is to wait to receive invitations before acting on anything, Jord, invitations into creating business plans, invitations when it comes to who you develop friendships with, whether you go to the movies or not. It's literally the act of sitting back and waiting, then feeling into if the invitation feels good and then acting. Um, And when we are acting from a place of alignment, waiting for the correct invitation and acting, we're actually designed, projectors are actually designed to attract attention because they are the teachers and the guides. So, at our at our at projectors in our, I keep saying at our because it is, but at our innate core, we want to be recognized because that's what our energy is here to do, but we have to wait for the right opportunities to step into that. It's very, very challenging. So is that to say that projectors just have to sit and wait and not do anything until they're invited? No. So we can create opportunities to be invited uh but it really comes down to the way that we do everything jordan we'll run things by each other being like okay so do i phrase this sentence in this email in this way does that come across as too penetrative because basically what can happen if for projectors because the world is governed in this generator style Lots of projectors, you and I included, in the past have shown up as generators doing, working the nine to five hours, like putting information out there, getting on Instagram stories and talking, 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 talking. 
when a generator does it, it doesn't feel energetically invasive. When a projector does it, it feels like, oh, like total out of alignment. And Mm -hmm. so it's not about not showing up. It's showing up in the moments that you feel fully embodied and fully rested. Rest is huge for projectors and in integrity. These are all the key pieces to think about before acting. George, talk to talk to me about some of the maybe the biggest challenges, but also the breakthroughs that you found in really embodying your projector type. Well, like you said before, I um, very much ran most of my life, especially around work as a generator. Um, I think not to bring natal charts into it, but I have the setup of my natal chart is very generatory. Mm. And so um, it feels unusual for that to tax my energy as it was. I was like, why? You know, I want to know all the things all the time and do all the things all the time and create, 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 create. But my projector type uh, doesn't allow that. So I think the, the biggest aha moment for me when I started looking into projectors was the exertion of energy um, and that the best way for a projector to recharge and to show up and to accept invitation is to rest. Yeah, And it feels so counterproductive. Mm. Um, Every reading I've had in human design around projectors is that we should be working probably about two hours a day. That's about our capacity for productivity. And then the rest of our time is spent resting or doing work that allows uh, the body time to recharge. So for me, I make sure that if I'm recording or writing a podcast, I do that in the two hour period that I have allocated for the day. The rest of the time, if I want to continue to work, I can be reading and absorbing information or watching Mm. something, but not actually being productive in the way that I create. So when I was writing the book, I found it really hard. I would have to Mm. just write for two hours in the morning and then stop. Yeah. But in doing that, once I started doing that, I was actually creating better content. Yeah, it's so true, George. For for me, it's been this notion around self-care is actually the, the main priority of the projector type. You've got to put self-care before every everything else because and when you're out of alignment and out of trust with this, you don't understand how it works, but just please trust Jordan and I in our personal experience of this and all of the human design readers that teach this. For a projector, when you're fully rested and fully surrendered, that is when the invitations that are the big guys like the the exciting ones that are in alignment they drop in when you're resting they drop in when you're self-caring they drop in when you're really tending to your energy yeah I think uh, it's really important, it's really though, interesting Holly to state that you know it's really hard for a projector who doesn't work for themselves and Holly and I are in a yes. really privileged position and I still like I, I I have no idea how I spent 13 years of my life in a corporate career showing up every day. And I did, I burnt out and burnout is a symptom of a projector that's working like a generator. Um, Mm -hmm. I could not continue to do that. And I know that that freedom is not available to everybody else. So if you are a projector and you do work nine to five and you're listening to us on our bloody privileged high horse saying, Oh, you know, just rest after you do two hours. I get it but it's finding ways that you can manage your energy levels knowing 
that you're not actually going to be productive for those eight hours. So perhaps yes. it's knowing that in the first two hours of the morning, you get most of your work done. And then for the next six six hours, perhaps, you know, it's a little bit cushier or there's some sort of other strategy you can use in the workplace that's not taking all of your energy away from you. Yeah, I can relate to that, Jord, and you're so spot on. I remember there was a shift I used to do in retail when I I left corporate because burnout, hashtag projector life. Um, And so I was working retail and all I needed to do was stand behind a counter and serve people. But the hour, the shift that I was doing was a Thursday, nine in the morning till nine at night on my own. And two hours in and I would just be absolutely spent and we weren't meant to sit behind the counter, but I had no, I, I had to, I had to sit behind the counter because it was just like taxing to get through the day. And I think that this happens a lot with projectors is we can feel really guilty or even lazy and other people can almost misconstrue our energy depletion as laziness. Um, why can't you keep up? Why do you need to be resting all the time? And just just trusting in what your body knows. It know if it's tired and you need to clear some social catch-ups or interactions on the weekend, or you need to ask someone to help with the kids so you can take a breather for a moment, even just a moment, it's super, super important because we we will burn out. We do burn out. I still struggle with it. Like I still feel super, super guilty and shameful when I'm not doing a full day of work. I still can't get my head around it. And I know the advantages that come from it. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, I mean, we've been conditioned, right? But Mm. I'm getting better with it because the interesting thing is, and I I don't know if this is the case with all human design types and listeners, I'd be interested to hear if you're not a projector, if you can relate. But Jordan and I, like all of our close people are pretty much projectors. And if they're not projectors, they're manifesting generators. Be careful. So in saying that, because a lot of close friends are not projectors of mine. <laughs> oh, well. And they'll be like, are we not close? It's not close. No, no, no. <laughs> but, it, but there is a pattern. Like, it's actually bizarre to me how many people in my life are also projectors. Yeah, it's just an interesting one to have a look at all the different human design types that you're more naturally drawn to. Because particularly over the last year, for me at least, is it has been projectors. Because projectors and projectors don't tax each other's energy. Like it just doesn't happen. That's why we can sleep together at night without interruption. Um, and the other one for me at least has been manifesting generators. Interesting. Yeah. I seem to have a lot of generators in my life, which is not surprising because I think at a soul level, I want to be a generator. It's yeah. how my chart wants me to be. And it's like my natural disposition is to want to do, 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 do all the time. And so I think I attract, well, I don't attract them. I'm attracted to generators because I kind of want to be that, but I'm not. Yes, that's so interesting. And that would feel really conflicting. Yeah. Mm. So that's a bit about projectors, loves. As we say every week, definitely consider getting your human design chart read because this is just our experience. So jump over to Emmy Ray and Amy Lee is another one. I had my chart read by Amy. Um, There are a multitude of incredible human design readers online. So check it out. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast. And while you're there, maybe slide on into The Middle membership for weekly energy reads and monthly coaching calls. We're also on Instagram. Just search at the underscore middle underscore podcast. We've got new photos coming and we're really happy. Okay, bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.